0: Hey, Bastin, Jay and Silent Bob are coming to raid your fridge, smoke your weed, and make you laugh hysterically while they do it. How do you like damn apples? Friday, October 7th at the Wilbur Theater. Catch Jay and Silent Bob get old. Grab your tickets now by clicking on the link at csmod.com. So, you're saying, yo, sir, dude, I love sir, and I want to show the world. Wear your sir love with our official t-shirts, biach Fishies have no eyes. Let us fuck. Jay and Silent Bob get old. The Garmy. There's also posters, action figures. There's so many to choose from. Grab your smirch at smodcast.com. Scroll down and click on merchandise. Catch live video clips of Jay and Silent Bob get old and Hollywood Babylon on the Kevin Smith blog for the Huffington Post. Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. That's Huff.to slash Kevin Smith blog. The smonsters of talk are coming to motherfucking Vegas. Jay and Silent Bob get old and Hollywood Babylon. Whether you want to snooch your nooch or give that penis a sandwich, the shenanigans happen August 12th and 13th at the Hard Rock Cafe, located right on the famous Las Vegas Strip. Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, and Ralph Garman are guaranteed to make you forget you just gambled away all your money. Jay and Silent Bob Get Old, and Hollywood Babylon. August 12th and 13th at the Hard Rock Cafe in Las Vegas. Go to csmod.com for tickets. Yo, Red Bank, New Jersey. Jay and Silent Bob are gonna snooch to your motherfucking nooch. I don't even know what that means. Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. Live at the Count Basie Theater on October 8th. Special guest, Tell, Day. tell Steve Day. Get your tickets at CountBasieTheater.org. Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. Live at the Count Basie Theater, October 8th in Red Bank. Word. Want early access to tickets for Smodcast Internet Radio's metric ton of live shows? Join Smodcast. For just four ninety nine a month, you'll get CD-quality audio of every podcast you hear on Sir, ad-free. It's like watching porn without having to fast-forward through that goddamn plot. You'll also get bonus video content and other badass exclusives. Smodcast where Smodcast goes say for pay. All the deets at Smodcast.com. Going to New York Comic Con in October? Well, Jay and Silent Bob are giving you one more reason to fangasm. Uh, you might want to clean that up. Friday, October 14th at the IGN Theater. Catch a live performance of the popular podcast, Jay and Silent Bob Get Old. Dust off that Batman costume that's three sizes too small. Or, fuck it, don't wear a costume. Just wear some type of clothing, because, you know, you don't want to get arrested. And get ready to enjoy a thick layer of gooey comedy jizz with Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes. Jay and Silent Bob Get Old, live in New York. October 14th at the IGN Theater. Tickets on sale now. For more info, go to csmod.com.
1: Hey, what's going on? Matt Cohen here. You guys want to hear a story? Uh, a few weeks ago I was, I was at Golden Apple Comics, like always, on Wednesday. Uh, you know, picking up my books for the week. They have, they have the best books, Golden Apple Comics. You can check them out at GoldenAppleComics.com if you're not in the Hollywood area. But anyway, um, and I apologize if I sound a little somber, but this is an emotional tale. Uh, I was at Golden Apple Comics, and I, I got my, my comic books as always. I got a, I got a couple of great trade paperbacks, and a few really cool t shirts, and even a little, uh, Hellboy minibus statue, which they had there. They have the greatest selection of all that kind of stuff. And, um, I had my books, and the really friendly staff wished me on my way. And, um, in the parking lot, uh, I was about to get in my car. When I was accosted by by a, a group of miscreants is the best way I could describe them. They they were young and they were rowdy and um and I was scared and and uh they pulled out uh jack knives and and mac knives and all kinds of different knives and demanded demanded my money and my comic books and I was like look you can have my money but I'm I'm keeping. I'm keeping this Golden Apple Comics bag. You 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 have to pry those away from my cold, dead hands, Charlton Heston. And the guy was like, I'm not Charlton Heston. And I was like, I know it'd be weird if you were because you'd be dead. And that would take this to a whole different place because I'd be getting robbed by a dead person and it would still suck, but it would be kind of cool because I would know ghosts exist. Anyway... I was getting robbed, and and they were like, "Give me your money." And you're ugly, and you st- ugly shoes. And I was like, "Leave me alone." And they're like, "No, your car is stupid." And I was like, "No, my car is not stupid." And they're like, your car, "Yeah, it is. Your car is stupid. Give us money in the comic books." And I was like, "No, I will not take everything but the comics." And they were like, "All right, we'll do that." And I was like, "No, on second thought, don't take anything." That sounds horrible. Leave me be, man. I I need a hero is what I thought at the moment. I was like, I need a hero at the end of the night. And you know what? Golden Apple Comics saved my life. Uh, the entire staff of the store came out and, uh, they were wielding prop replicas of, of famous comic book weapons. And, uh, and, and without even, without even touching these, these offenders, because that would be illegal, they scared them away and made loud noises like they're, as if you were shooing a bear. They were like, hoot, hoot, hoot you know that that scares kids away. If, if oh I gave. I'm not saying they were kids but all I'm saying is if anyone is ever trying to rob you apparently what the fine staff at Golden Apple Comics taught me is you get a um uh, a Molinor rep replica and you go who 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 and they saved my life so not only did I get comic books and awesome trade paperbacks and t-shirts and a statue at Golden Apple Comics last Wednesday I got a life saving folks I don't think I have to say anything more than that. Golden Apple Comics. What other comic book store will literally save your life? (sighs) GoldenAppleComics.com. Check them out. They're the dreamiest. I'm all about more green. the us swamp I'm gonna play the geek out. I love bags and boards because I'm a fucking dog. I like bags and boards because I'm a fucking dark. I like bags and boards because I'm a fucking dog. My book collection gives me an erection. What? Alright, everybody, welcome to Bag and Boarded. How y'all doing tonight? <coughs> oh, so many people here. Alright, let me break out my gem loop here. I'm gonna say we're at a maximum capacity of twenty one hundred. But as always in traditional bagged and boarded fare, I've paid off 99.9% of the audience not to laugh. Shut up. We don't want to hear it. This is a single sitcom, uh, a single camera sitcom. You, you were subtle. You judge when you want to think something funny so everyone is stung. But just imagine they are having such an amazing time. Pants are off already. It's, it's that kind of a night. Uh, we are here at Golden Apple Comics in the heart of Hollywood, of course. And we are brought to you by the fine folks at the Smodcast Network. And folks, this week we are just get into some good old fashioned geekery. Um without further ado, let me well, I want to first a hey, apologize. I'm a little bit tired and my voice is a little ragged. I went to a uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain on Saturday for the first time and I screamed all day. And then on uh, Sunday I went to a fish concert and then this morning I just fucking yelled into a paper bag for like 6 hours to really try to get that Betty Davis quality going. So I may be sexier than usual, but bear with me. Uh, my guest tonight is uh, a writer of many mediums, and uh, you might know his work. We'll we'll get into that in a little bit, but I think this might be a, uh, an introduction better than anything I can do. Mr. Nathan Filion said about my guest, Mark is like Joss if Joss were black and completely different and i think we're about to find out what a black and different joss whedon would be like uh, please welcome my guest tonight ladies and gentlemen mr mark bernard and how are you sir i'm good i'm good man how are you i'm doing all right how are you
2: now I, i'm as black and un as you can possibly get i think um
1: i mean wesley snipes
2: he is darker than I am,
1: that would for be sure. a little more on joss like yeah that, like, like. like Isaac Hayes. yeah, maybe. yeah, it might that... be like <laughs> the zenith of Joss. who is the who is the black joss who's the black joss that's the same as Joss if you're different the black joss that's the same as jos. You know what I mean, yeah. I'm different. If there was a unicorn who
2: had sex with a Pegasus and, and tried to climb up a rainbow and wrote like,
1: Frey, who would that be? No, yeah, yeah totally. Now, well, Mark, Reggie uh, Hudlin, is yeah, the closest, exactly. to and, me I've, and I've talked to him on the show, actually. So, wow. That I've talked to Joss Whedon, kind of. See, you totally have. Like a cooler J- can, a Joss Whedon with soul. The Joss Whedon that could dance. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, Joss J-
2: Whedon can't dance. You,
1: you're out in here in California right now, but you're not, you're not typically a Cali guy. I met you. We're in a comic book store, which is funny because the first place I ever met you. Yes. Was a comic book store. I yeah, had the secret stash. Except we were, we were doing illicit, uh, gambling activities there. Right. Yeah. We
2: were betting white
1: babies, right? White babies. And we would, when we get Unpolis? tired, when we get tired of that, we'd bring in the cockfighting. And then we'd make the white babies fight the cocks. We called it white baby (laughs) cockfighting.
2: We got to back right off. We went way (laughs) too far on
1: that one. Uh, No, but uh, I met you playing poker at the Secret Stash back in Jersey, and at that time, sir, you were working for Entertainment Weekly.
2: Yes, I was. I was there for thirteen years. Thirteen years. Yeah. Now you're an East Coast guy originally, right? I'm an East Coast, born in the Bronx, raised on Long Island. Where on Long Island?
1: Uh, Baldwin, South from Shore. Syossid, sir. Get out! We got a fight after the show. <laughs> totally, North Shore versus South Shore, as one does in no, the eighties. Absolutely, town fight. <laughs> now, how does how does a a guy from Long Island wind up uh, being the movie editor at Time Weekly? What's what's? Were you always a geek as a kid? Was it always? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the first movie I've ever saw was Star Wars.
2: I'm, I'm old enough to have seen Star Wars' first run in the theater.
1: See, that's amazing. And the, one of my biggest regrets. <laughs> you're old, is, it's amazing. No, it's amazing because my parents are that old, too, and they didn't. Wow. You know what I mean? So, like, you're the cool older guy. Your parents guy. are lame. Yeah, well, they were smoking pot. They were too high to, to get the right movie time right. or whatever. <laughs> uh, so, so Star Wars, it was an immediate love with yeah, film I mean, right Star off the bat. Yeah, Star
2: Wars was the, the sort of touchdown? And then, you know, went from Star Wars to Flash Gordon to Six Million Dollar Man to Night Rider to like all of that awesomely crappy, you know, science <laughs> oh, yeah, fiction fantasy the stuff 80s, they gave absolutely. you. Yeah. And uh, so I went to school with a uh, full intention of being a, an advertising copywriter. Um, yeah, which totally which doesn't really translate
1: out. to kid who fell in love with uh, Luke doing the Death Star run. You know, no, what I mean? not
2: at all. But see, my dad was an accountant. And so my dad knew numbers like that. He could understand numbers. And so when I said, you know, I'm into comic books, dad, movies, and I love all this stuff. He's like, you've got to get a career that you can actually do something with. And I was like, all right, well, advertising, I guess you get to be fun, but it's kind of businessy, right? And so I enrolled for a semester and and washed out miserably. Did that not work out for you? The I had to take a math class.
1: <laughs> well, well, were you a comic fan too growing
2: up? I was. I was. like When I was like 10 or 11, I, my mom would take me to the supermarket when you could buy things. That products. was when you, was absolutely, yeah. And, uh, and I saw Secret Wars for the first time. And it was like, ooh. I know all these people are all beating each other up. Like, this is cool. And wait, I got to buy 12 more of these? There's something story? dirty
1: and wrong about Done. this. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and my dad would make the mistake of taking me to the comic book store and not supervising the comics I'd buy. So I'd get a bunch of those old black and white, savage sort of Conan's with nothing but like violence and beheadings and nudity.
1: And Every time shaman. your dad looked, you were just peeking behind a velvet curtain. Yeah. Or whatever. What's that? You know? Your legs were just disappearing into and, that oh, section. Oh, a cat dancer. It's about ballet. No, yeah. <laughs> well, that was my, my parents too. It was unchecked comic buying. So it was just... All Punisher and Ghost Rider and Dr. Dre's The Chronic at nine years old. And the guy at the Sam Ash went, Ma'am, do you really want to buy this album for your son? It's kind of dirty. And she goes, No, I don't. Matthew, what else do you want? I said, I'll take snoop doggy dog doggy style then <laughs> and that was that was the trade off on that day yeah. well
2: it's about you know dogs yeah exactly it's so, just about
1: dogs doing it how they do you know, there's nothing I mean, more natural than dogs doing right? it doggy style dogs walking are still uh, walking doggy absolutely style. man so you first so was first advertising it wasn't creative at all you tried to get into college in the business world
2: yeah but that just didn't work and then i and then i kind of shifted majors to communication arts was the major they had that sort of encompassed tv and creative writing and film and all that and I went to St. John's University. Absolutely, you know, yeah. In New York. That had like eight people in the, in the in sort the of screenwriting track. Yeah, there was. There was eight people who wanted to make movies for a living, and so there was a film club that four of the eight people belonged to. But we had like 60 millimeter cameras oh, and yeah. tripods and sound mixing equipment and had a whole TV studio that we can edit on and we could just make our own movies and nobody else wanted to. so
1: we. Kind Those of other did. four guys were just getting high in the parking lot probably. Seriously. Watching your movies and Watch just laughing their
2: movies. asses off. It's like, wow, you really killed that guy. Yeah. kind of killed that
1: guy. So at what
2: point did, did journalism enter... Uh, an internship in college, I needed three credits, um, and there was a magazine called Starlog at the time, um, which used to be the premier science fiction fantasy. Absolutely. Yeah, totally, man. Um, and uh, so, yeah, they gave me an internship, and the internship turned into a job. And I was there for like three years, and it was also a really small staff. There were like four dudes on a, on Starlog staff, and all of us edited everything. So. And you
1: were the movie club there too. Yeah, yeah, I was only I was two the movie of them club. though. You started a movie club there. I just, yeah. That's my job. It I just, always yeah. halves, right? Yeah, but yeah, I edited a bunch of like license
2: magazines, like the Shadow and and Time Cop. And, wow, that's
1: really awesome. Yeah, for someone who grew up, I mean, if you, you're a yeah, Star Wars fan, yeah, it, it awesome. doesn't get better than and, that. Uh, right? And I also
2: worked for Fangoria because Fangoria was published by the same people, so I was a consulting editor on fango for like three years which was just awesome
1: so right off the bat you'd found your love of journalism as it were i kind of found my love of journalism in that
2: i knew how to write and i knew what pictures looked good on a page and i knew how to make stories better it was it was less about me being a writer and more about me being a person who can make things better and uh and so yeah i was at starlog for three years until a buddy of mine that i knew from online said hey i work for entertainment weekly uh, and we need somebody and you know you're cheap (laughs) <laughs> so,
1: you're you're the black, not Joss. Come totally, on over. Come on over. <laughs>
2: we're, we're really shy on black guys,
1: so... <laughs> Reggie Hudlin isn't returning our calls. Yeah, no, apparently. Yeah. Jaleel White is busy, so you're and the then, one. This is in the heyday of EW2, kind of, right? This was like the
2: glory days. This was before the magazine was making money, but still... Like, timing, Inc., for whatever reason, felt that there was an upside to having EW, and so they kept funneling money into it, and because we weren't making any money, we felt we could do whatever we wanted to.
1: I mean, because as as a kid, Entertainment Weekly was my magazine, because it wasn't so industry that it was boring, and it wasn't so for the layman that it was People Magazine. Yeah,
2: I mean... You it, know what I mean? It was the, the, the beautiful part about EW in the sort of mid to late 90s was they could lead the conversation on stuff. They could expose people to Buffy and to the X-Files and to the Simpsons and to, you know, like late night TV and start doing features and, and start championing things that people hadn't championed. Before.
1: And it never felt corporately driven. You know what I mean? Where yeah. in some other magazines, it, it, they feel like fluff pieces at the time. EW always kind of felt,
2: yeah, this is what's cool right now. And we got into a lot of trouble once or twice for saying the things that we said when we shouldn't have said them. The, like, did, what's an example? We did a, we sent a writer to the set of The Wild Wild West. Um. The, uh, which of course won 18 Golden Globes, right? It totally did. I the mean, most, Wild Wild West is clearly the best movie of 19. Battleship Potemkin, Wild Wild West. That's how it goes. Yeah, but you know, how are we to know? Like, we're like, it's Will Smith, it's coming out July 4th, this is the dude who's just coming off of Independence Day and Men in Black, and it's, Of course. This will be. It was a cool. It sounded like a cool movie. even before. Yeah, Giant effects and spider. You know, (laughs) it was still like worth sending a writer to the set and we committed to a cover because that's what you do when it's a big honking summer Will Smith movie. So the writer comes back and is like, yeah, so I think this is going to be a honking piece of shit, but we're still committed to a cover for this thing. So we wrote a story and we did a cover that was like, this could be a honking piece of shit. Basically,
1: which was fucking ballsy. I mean, that's literally like that's what got Ben Affleck ruined in Jersey Girl was talking shit about Will Smith.
2: Right. And, <laughs> and so like Warner Brothers was pissed because well, part of the time Warner family? How dare you say our movies It's a piece of shit. And uh, and Will Smith wouldn't talk to us for like five years. Wow. It wasn't until Ali, when he was making an award run, that he decided he would, like, drop the hammer and talk to Entertainment Weekly. And
1: that's so crazy, because you would never think of Entertainment Weekly as a magazine that would cause that kind of, I don't know, tabloid kind of controversy almost. Yeah, it was just like, I don't where think... Where people are pissed, you know what I'm
2: saying? Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe they thought that, you know, we promised them one thing and delivered another, but, like, you send a writer on a story, and he'll find the story that's there, and the story happened to be... Wow, this is a. This movie movement. might
1: not be so great. There's a guy without <laughs> legs and a spider. Here. Yeah, because <laughs> kids love guys without legs. The song was awesome though, and kids do love guys without legs. You, <laughs> well, you know, if you watch TV trends, uh, <laughs> there's, there's nothing scary about a no, yeah. with no legs. But so, your time at EW, you were you were the movie at you ran the movie department, right? I, I ran the movie review section. Okay, and I edited this...
2: the movie like the the giant summer movie preview issue or fall movie preview or whatever. Like I did that stuff, um, and I did that for about. Ten years, and then I moved to the website, and then I edited the galleries. Every time you saw the twenty-five sexiest Croatian movies or fifteen ugliest babies, Croatian
1: like, movies. Oh, totally. Are there
2: twenty-five
1: sexy Croatian you movies? have No idea. Because I'm working on a list. I've got to like seven right now. You don't know, man. Some of those Holocaust documentaries oh, okay. made in Croatia. Sexy. <laughs> Tiva, get your paws, Get the get the freeze frame ready, folks. Yeah, totally. Uh, so but well, at your time, but but so, any list was my fault. Okay, so you're the man who ushered in the the, uh, the 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 lists that became lists of your top ten favorite lists. Yes, yes, I actually, B.W. lists. Yeah, I did the list of lists. What's your favorite list? You know, Ten Commandments. <laughs> you know, uh, Seven Deadly Sins. I go with the Gremlins rules, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't think is technically a list, and I would lose on that point. You, you kind of. If this would. were a game show, I'd be out. But uh yeah. so, what was the bulk of your job there every day? Was it just finding out about new movies? Did you get to do a lot of set visits and stuff like that? I never did set
2: visits because I I never. I did two interviews, I think, in my whole time at inter- Who, who were they with? It was with Frank Miller. Not um, a bad one. Ironically. For, um, for Dark Knight Returns. No, Strikes Again. And, uh, and I did Kevin. Kevin okay. Started. Those are like my two interviews that I did. And I hated the sound of my voice when I would have to like play back the tape and transcribe my own interviews. And I hated the fake laugh you have to give celebrities to sort of boost their ego enough to get to the next question. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're uh, listening to that yeah. for like hours at a clip was enough to make me never want to do that. Oh, I
1: I never listen to this podcast once it's recorded. I would fucking end myself. Oh yeah, totally. I got it's, it's, I got a Jew voice, man. It's just. Oh, uh, uh, but now you're sexy. I Jew sound voice. like my grandma. Now you're like Ron Silver. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, because of, of the rasp going on and stuff. Uh, but EW. So was it always? Kind of free control over there. You got to pick what movies you guys were covering. I mean, it was Kleberman and Schwarzbaum were the main two reviewers over there, right? Right. So basically, I was like a very well-paid Baby, I was just going to say, did you kind of babysit...
2: You know, because I, I, I love those two to death, but. Who are, are both of them still with, uh. Both of them are still there. Still there, okay. Both of them are still there, and I love them to death, because, I mean, I, they were the first job that I had when I got there as a freelancer, and then I finally got to edit them, edit them. But when I got the job, the guy, the departing editor said, you know, having toddlers is the best training for editing movie critics. Because they will all get like kind of territorial and possessive and a little bullying about the movies they loved and wanted to
1: cover. You literally just had to grab like toys out of Owen Gleiberman's hand and stuff.
2: (laughs) No, you can't do that movie, Owen. You've done the last five. Those no,
1: Yogi Bear, Owen. Yes,
2: you can't do another James Bond, Owen. No, no, no.
1: (laughs) <laughs> did you? <laughs> that's so great. As but as a movie fan over there, do you did it give you access to like uh, the did you did it ruin it a little bit for you as a fan getting to see that much of the industry side of it? Not really, not really. I mean, I kind of
2: inured myself to a certain degree to the like I, it, the, it there's a to the, the hazard of the job was learning more than you wanted to learn. But still figuring out a way to deaden yourself to those things. And so like I know who's going to die in this issue of whatever. I know who's going to die in that episode of whatever. Like I know, but I can pretend I don't know.
1: Just trick your mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah
2: but for the for the stuff that it ruined for me, um, there was still like I got to go to Sundance for like three years. It's pretty awesome and not yeah. write about it. Like I got to go to Sundance, to go hang see out, movie, yeah. yeah, which was amazing. I got to go to Comic Con for the first time on EW's dime, which. Seriously, like it's um, good dime. It's good dime. <laughs>
1: like there's nothing quite like. Oh, on, they got like five dimes in there, one dime man. on an yeah, expense yeah. account, man. It's a beautiful thing. So, what um, what made you move, make the transition from
2: print to online? Uh, because I started writing comics. Um, while I was at EW. And I was covering it for a while. like I, I started up EW's comics coverage because I loved comics and so we weren't doing it. And then Spider-Man came out and it's like, well, you know, apparently like $400 million worth of people like Spider-Man, so maybe we should cover them in the magazine. And they relented. Maybe but. this is a thing,
1: that's comic books. Yeah, they, they <laughs>
2: saw the wisdom of that argument. And so I was covering comics and came out to San Diego and met a bunch of people. And every year they'd say, hey, you're a halfway decent writer. Do um, you ever think about writing comics? I said, since I was 12. But so long as I cover them, I can't write them. And then I, you know, that was stupid. Like, I just, I want to write comics, please. That'd be awesome. So I stopped covering them and started writing them. And so I couldn't cover comics anymore. Then those comics started to get optioned. And and then you couldn't cover your own. So I couldn't cover movies anymore. And then I started writing like a TV pilot based on a comic, and then I couldn't cover TV anymore.
1: You started taking up jazz flute. There went uh, music. Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. The
2: basket weaving was things just were right fucked.
1: Up. You started Stephen King impersonating. You couldn't do that last page anymore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So
2: I just had to, you know, I kept working myself out of the jobs that I had by chasing the jobs that I wanted.
1: That doesn't sound bad though. Getting other jo- replacing one job with like ten other jobs. I know,
2: but I eventually <laughs> had to go to the website because I didn't want to start a website. <laughs> I was like, the
1: internet it makes sense. Is still, everybody either work yeah. for EW or compete against the biggest uh, online. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much, that was my plan. So, how was your time over online? Was it way different from print or it was faster?
2: You know, it was merciless, and that's. The, I mean, the internet is just a, a hungry beast that can never be sated by actual data or opinion. <laughs>
1: so just we, chat roulette and penis, apparently. Yes. This is the one thing, like the internet, is happy. You know what I mean? Yes. The internet loves penis. I, enough anonymous dick, and the internet is like, "You've done your job for the day, fans." Like,
2: well done. it's millertime.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sundown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, my so work I mean, is was, finished.
2: It was a lot of fun, but it was it was just a lot of friggin' work. And and the burnout rate was a lot faster and higher and brighter. I mean, because
1: you got to be up all day long. Every news story that comes in, you guys have to be kind of aware of, right? Yeah, and like formulate
2: a plan for. And like, God forbid somebody dies, and then it's oh.
1: Oh shit! We need eighty pages of tribute yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, well, Michael Jackson dead. Fuck. What vacation? I'm sorry. So people don't really have those files prepared beforehand for like questionable they're, they're celebrities. Totally are. They're totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've written
2: like five or six obits for people who haven't died yet. That's awesome. But uh,
1: <laughs> do they know? You should say. To them, cr- creeping it cre- just ominously. Like, Dear William Shatner, here's from you're the future. Over- just <laughs> ad- address it from the future is the return address or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just blow people's minds, that man. Would be great. Yeah, that would. I think I still have some of those files. Okay. So you're so. At the, meanwhile, you're writing online and you started getting into comics. And what was the first comic book? You, I mean, and just into comics, you've you've worked for. I mean, stuff Nightcrawler Origins, w- Women of Marvel. You did Push for Wildstorm. You've worked for Top Cow. Mm-hmm done some JLA stuff, and you've done some books on your own with with Adam Freeman. Yeah. Creator-started books. Highwaymen, Monster mm-hmm. Attack, right? Right. Monster Attack Network and the Highwaymen. Um, Monster Attack was the first thing we ever
2: wrote for a, a tiny San Francisco publisher called AIT, Planet Lar, Um which was a 90-page graphic novel of... Kind of what it sounds like. Giant monsters attacking in
1: the network of people who fight it. It's the first response, it's first response monster hunters, which is totally. so awesome. Yeah, yeah it's, yeah, it's
2: very damage control. It's very, like, it was very inspired by, by damage control. The, like, taking a thing that we see every day in movies or comics or whatever and finding the, the sort of underneath to it. Absolutely. What the people it. who would actually, yeah, yeah. Right, who rebuilds the city after Godzilla
1: destroys it. Well, there would have to be a Monster Attack Network for just that. That's thing. so great. And what was it like transitioning from someone who covered stuff to now you're finally a creator kind of? It's awesome.
2: I mean, there's almost no downside to it aside from the lack of expense account.
1: Except Which you don't have that E.W. Tight, dime anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's no, line, no line, tiny San Francisco publisher dime. Seriously. They're on like nickel. I <laughs> would buy you a slider. A half shilling. Not
2: three sliders, <laughs> a slider.
1: Um, Nothing worse than a two slider ground grade, dude. <laughs> oh, <laughs> men have killed for worse. Seriously.
2: But it was a lot or of fun. Less. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, and yeah, so, hello.
1: I'm just saying hi to the crowd. I'll do that too. <laughs> hey, what's going on, guy? Um, <laughs>
2: so yeah, it was Monster Tech Network first And then the Highwaymen We we did for Wildstorm Which was great Because it was like DC It was actually They're paying us money.
1: Jim Lee's company I mean that's yeah, the big like time I, Yeah I
2: yeah. pitched it to Jim Like I sat down And pitched him over coffee And how, how about this one It's like I like it We're gonna take all of it like, okay, what does it do mean? Get much cooler than that. I right? know. So, but we'll put it out. It'll look pretty and it'll come out on time. I'm like, you're right, it will, because we'll write all of them first.
1: And for people who don't know Highwaymen, and all these books are available. I mean, right Yeah, totally. Yeah. They're all on, on Amazon or in your local comic books. Highwaymen shop. are like two, they're like two
2: kind of courier. What, what would you describe them as? Yeah, they're like two old dudes who used to be paid to take anything, any place, at any time. And, uh, they retired and get called out back into action by a videotape from the late President Clinton. Who tells them about a secret weapons project that happens to have been falling into the wrong hands? And then it's driving and shooting and exploding it's and, so, and it's Why like, is
1: cracking and, and it's like vanishing point and those kind of old, you know what I mean? Road. Yeah, it's a, it's a <laughs> little like
2: lethal weapon, a little vanishing point, a little bit, you know, like tango and cash, of all things, like big. What's which big? I which is better than Turner and Hooch at least? Yeah, better than stopping my mom will shoot by far.
1: Or, uh, I'm a fan of that one I would have went Cop and a half And where is And a half these days Is what I want to know <laughs> I think about that so often Like I lay in bed at night Just thinking And a half Whatever become of you I'm sure he just watches Two and a half men And is like There's the and a half No, Yeah he's just men. waiting till
2: they cast like <laughs> Yeah there's an and a half The like, urban cousin group. Who has to come in Or whatever On <laughs> two and a half men yeah. <laughs> That
1: little kid is making 200,000 dollars an episode okay. I mean cat food Fuck you Other and a half Oh is and a <laughs> half Eating cat food now That's so depressing I'll never watch that movie The he same way Or like selling Really poor real state. Oh man. So now you're writing comics, two books out. Mm-hmm. Uh are you loving life? I mean, things are Well, I was still
2: working at EW at the time when those books came out. So it was like EW paid the bills and the comics were the passion thing. And it's what made the last couple of years of EW kind of tolerable because I was I'd been there for 13 years. I was kind of wearing out. And and the comics were they like this is fun. Like, There's I a reason to, to fucking do it. Yeah. yeah, I kind of get to wake up and write comics. I get to do superheroes it's about mm. monsters
1: and cool shit and fucking yeah, yeah Dead Clinton. Yeah, like, who doesn't <laughs> and like Night Nightcrawler dead and like getting to write I'm, that must have been cool too. Getting to write it was awesome. Like we're at this thirty page one shot, the you know
2: new origin of Nightcrawler, and I got to write a Spider Man Top Chef comic book. I no did. way I with like Padma totally. and everyone. No, no, it was with uh, one of the the. The, uh, like, ex-chefs. It wasn't a, it was a key- chef. Oh, okay. It was like, Eli from Top Chef really likes comics. And so can you write us 11 pages of Spider-Man and Eli fighting crime? I'm like, yeah. Why don't I know of this? That's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> oh, it's online and it's
1: free. Wow. I mean, why? That should, that should not be. That should cost me double a normal comic. I told them to make
2: it like an absolute edition. Did they I fight with them. food? <laughs> they, uh, they fought Mysterio, who shows up. And there was punching And knife throwing
1: and But like culinary knife throwing Yes totally like that, That's a paring knife Tactile Like that dude has some training Like that guy can chop an onion And fuck up Mysterio Yes and
2: like very careful Selection of knives Like well it's a fillet knife Clearly because we've got To get through that Oh that's a butcher knife It's No he's got glass, like an huh? ammo
1: belt With different chef knives I should have done that Oh call me next time dude. <laughs> Yeah seriously Should have had like
2: The machete like cody just opens reality up. reality shows this.
1: Like Amazing Race And fucking I don't, pick, a spider,
2: pick a superhero we'll Plug one in Boom we're yeah, good to Craven go Craven the hunter And they made Race. Boom! We're g- I would watch this. You run out
1: of You have to hide from Craven <laughs> around the world. They're like, See? Craven's gonna shoot you. Fly to Russia now, and then run away from Craven because he's there again. Cool. See? Networks give a call. Done. Done and done. Give a Marvel, okay. I've got your summer event for 2012. No, yeah, and NBC. And it's a NBC. tie-in. Yeah, yeah. How did you transition totally away from EW, sir? I got laid off. Well, that's a fucking... <laughs> that's a way to transition. Really? Like, nothing cauterizes the wound, like getting laid off. Was it... Uh, and I'm sure it's endemic of the whole fucking magazine industry anymore, because... I mean, it was
2: like, you know, the economy had taken a downturn, and I had been there for just long enough that I was getting paid really well, and you could have hired somebody, you know, half my age for half my price um, to do my job. And I, I understood it on a numbers level. I was pissed because your dad was dad, an accountant. My dad was Here an accountant. Go. I get the logic of it. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you're yeah.
1: like, hey, I took one semester of accounting school. I get this. Yes, I know how to add ish. You know, unless there's
2: <laughs> me get
1: more money than other men, Not me. Yeah. I get.
2: <laughs> I can put this on a number line. I can totally figure no, this yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I got laid off in like November of 2009, and I took like three months to lick my wounds. Um. But they were still paying me because, again, I'd been there for 13 it's years. It's not a bad way Severance to get laid off. Yeah. It's not the worst thing in the world. And, you know, in hindsight, if I'd quit, I'd have had my pride, but I wouldn't have had not you wouldn't have had those benefits. three months of chilling
1: and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: like they paid me well into the following year. And then I became like a freelance journalist and comics writer. And blogger you know. and, I mean – and you had your own like,
1: blog going for a while, Rhinoplastic, right? Yeah,
2: which I just let die because everything that I was saying on there, I can then get paid to say other places. Which makes sense. you know. So I, I blogged for Ion9 for a couple of months. I blogged for Blaster for like six or seven months. And little pieces here and there, like I did a piece for Wired. And, and you're your still doing freelance freelance
1: stuff every now and
2: then, right? Every now and then. Like,
1: didn't you just do something for MTV recently? Or um, I was interviewed about oh, Okay, that's what yeah. it was. Catwoman suit. What does it look like? I'm like, sexy. <laughs> Thank you for the interview. Did yeah. they really call you? How does, that, how does that go? So you get a call.
2: I get a call. It's like, hey, you're an expert. You know um, comic books, right? You know comic books and, and sexy suits. You're an expert in the field. What do you think? I'm like, it's a sexy suit based on a comic book. Thank you for playing the home game.
1: <laughs> wow, that's it? Okay, I want to be a pundit. Pundit, dude. That's what you are. Geek punditry. Punditry is the way of the future. Absolutely. Now, speaking of the suit, do you really think it's sexy?
2: You know, it's, it's as I said in the piece... black and it's shiny and it's got zippers. Who's not a fan of Zippers?
1: I'm just looking for some kind of cat, like, <laughs> detail, possibly. <laughs> just with tail. Yeah, or, or right. like, a fucking whisker, even coming out of the side of her cheek, maybe. Like, Yo, I'll take anything. I don't think they're going to make Anne Hathaway. A the predilection for, for, uh, for uh, what is that, mm-hmm. the, the, the cat food that makes you acid trip? Have you seen that commercial? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? It's, like, Purina <laughs> 1 or something. Like, the cat licks it, and all of a sudden there's, like, rainbows and a river of yeah. fish jumping everywhere, <laughs> and, like, CGI mice dancing. Cat food, not with LSD. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I <laughs> To, I'm jealous of that cat now. Uh, so you've been, you've been now a geek commentator for a while, as it were, and a comic book writer. Yeah. And you just recently started another foray into television writing. I did, Yeah. How did that come about? You're writing for the show Alphas. I'm which, for the show uh, which Alphas. Which everyone give it up for on Sci-Fi yay, which, yeah. Alphas, Alphas, yay! <laughs> um, it happened because
2: I, uh, I found out this really interesting nugget of information that came in very handy. was that apparently I'm a black guy. No. I'm not sure if you knew this. Who
1: booked this man
2: for their number? No, I kidding. know. I'm totally uh, a black guy. and uh, You're not Joss? <laughs> I'm not Joss. However, not yet. Not yet, right? Plans are afoot. <laughs> but uh, I'm a black guy. And um, there are diversity programs at almost every network uh, with aiming to sort of reflect the real world on the staffs of the TV shows that are made to broadcast to the real world. Um, Especially given that 99.9% of, of television writers are white dudes from Harvard.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, or brown. Like the dumb ones are from yeah, Brown. brown or yeah. Wesleyan or yeah. whatever. They like pants them and shit. They're like, how's Wesley, you <laughs> asshole? You know what I mean?
2: So the networks have these systems in place to just try and, and, and boost up the other quality Be it black or Asian or gay or transsexual or lefty, like
1: whatever it is, laser powered.
2: Yeah, like, but they just want to make it a sort of differenty. But that'd be great if they
1: had to have one superpowered hire on every TV show. And it's always
2: like the superpower with the worst one. It's like, what can you not do?
1: Well, I can. I'm milk tolerant. (laughs) Yeah. bring on all the cheese you want yeah come on like, get your friends call your friends and make me force feed me <laughs> eat cheese it'll be fun you're like it's that dude who eats the, you know yeah, that like, isn't a great power you're right i can remember everything from the
2: last half an hour <laughs> yeah. awesome um uh, so yeah so I, I told my agent who i'd gotten from the comic book work I was like listen i want to do this what do i need it's like well you need a pilot to write so, I wrote a pilot that nobody will ever produce because I wrote a pilot that would cost $75 million to shoot, and no studio's are ever going to do that. But I said, fuck it. I'm going to write a pilot. I'm going to write what I want to see, and I want to see giant tidal waves destroying cities.
1: Yeah, I want to see that too. Because why wouldn't you do let's, that? Let's, let's work on that dream together, man. You get 35 mil, I'll get 35 <laughs> yeah, mil. Done. We'll meet we'll, in the middle. We'll meet, we'll meet somewhere down the line. Exactly. And uh, so I wrote this pilot and sent it to the agent. and I said, well, here's
2: I want a staff on a show. Like, is this good? Knowing one? that television shows had to hire black dudes and knew, that there weren't many black that, dudes
1: writing for TV. Yeah,
2: because a buddy of mine was like, "Hey, you know, it was like a year ago. He said, "Hey, every genre show on TV is looking for you." I was like, "What do you mean?" They're looking for a black guy who knows science fiction or action or genre because they get that writer for free because that's the way the diversity programs work. The network pays the salary as opposed to coming out of the show's budget. So they could take that money that they would have spent on a writer and, and throw it right back into the budget. Throw it into the show. Yeah. So they get a free writer for a year. So I was like, I'll be that free rider. Like, I will happily, you know, walk through that loophole.
1: I will be that black guy. Yes, totally. <laughs> I'm equal to the challenge. So. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, uh, and, yeah, so that's what happened. And so I, I came out with this pilot. The agent sent it out to a bunch of places. And I met at a bunch of places. And, uh, and sci-fi. So we've got these two shows that we, that we have a diversity slot for, Eureka and, and this new show, Alphas. And I says, well, I know Eureka and I like Eureka very much. I can't write Eureka because you don't blow enough shit up.
1: (laughs) Like it's like that's the smart, nerdy, quirky show. I know. Like, look,
2: it's science is the cause of and solution to all of our problems.
1: Which, like, I need tidal waves. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of need
2: like, are we gonna have car chases and like exploding houses and like, because I that's what I want to do. Like, well, then Alphas is probably for you. And uh, and so yeah, I met with the producers, and I met with some other writers, and I had some friends who had friends on staff. And Zach and, and Zach Penn is the showrunner on that. Uh, Zach right Penn here. is a creator, creator, and executive producer. Zach but... Penn
1: of Incident at Loch Ness fame, of yes. course. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> he also wrote <laughs> X Two and a bunch of other uh, X Two and stuff. First Draft yeah, yeah. the
2: Avengers and the Incredible Hulk and all of that stuff. And this was his first TV show. So that's a pretty geek friendly show to get on. It's a very geek friendly show to get on. Although you know you have to have your geek cred. Like, you, you did can't they know. test you? They didn't test me because I think my my uh my bona fides were solid. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but it's not it's not a place you can. They were like, "What
1: is you did?" Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, I don't know. Hulk 184 was the introduction to Wolverine. I shit you not. I worked at uh, Saint Mark's Comics in Manhattan. And they asked me that before I got hired, and I didn't <laughs> know the answer. I was like, "Can I just fucking work here, man?" And they were like, "Yeah, I guess so." <laughs> I was like, "Enough with the games, dude!" Like, I will find out if you want. Who's gonna ask me that? Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: Um, but, yeah, so I landed on Alphas, and I and I got here in Los Angeles literally four months to the day, I think.
1: Now, had you spent much time in L.A. before?
2: You know, I'd been here on and off for the last, like, f- seven or eight years. <laughs> you know, I'd always, like, whenever i go to Comic-Con, and this was my 10th Comic-Con. Like, I'd buttress it by, like, three or four days in L.A. Um, but this is the first time I've lived here since I was a college junior. Right on. Um, when I was an intern for Star Trek The Next Generation.
1: You didn't mention that part. I was. I you, was what a, did
2: you do on... I was a writing intern on Star Trek The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. The first season of Deep Space Nine. That's awesome, dude. It was it was ridiculously awesome.
1: So how old are you? I was 20 years old. So at 20 years old, you fly out to Cali to help write Star Trek? At uh,
2: 20 years old, I was an intern on Star Trek. Which I meant, mean,
1: still, it's Star Trek means, involved. Yeah,
2: it's Star Trek-centric. <laughs> no, yeah. But uh yeah, I basically read scripts. I, I, that was that was the job of the intern was to wade through the slush pile of people who really wanted to write Star Trek. But oh, that was the thing with Deep Space
1: Nine. And Star it, Trek,
2: all of Star Trek, it was the only show on television at the time that had an open submission. Would pile. accept fan written scripts. So if you were a fan and you desperately wanted to write for Star Trek, you could write Star Trek and send it in. Nobody would sue you. They would accept it. And they wouldn't pay you though, right? They would if they bought it. Oh, they, they would. Pay you. Okay. If they, if they bought it, you would totally get paid as if you were a staff So that's not knowledge. bad. It's not bad. The problem was most people actually can't write.
1: So you had to read how many...
2: <laughs> I, I think I was there for, th- for two months, and I must have
1: read 150. How many involved triples coming back into the picture? Not as many as you think. Yeah, I would think that would be the number one go-to. Like, <laughs> oh, man, we're going to revolutionize. The like... number one go-to was, it's the holiday. What
2: happens... <laughs> crazy sex <laughs> adventure on the holiday, <laughs> you know where it's like i know it's the holodeck meets roman soldiers it was always a holiday it was the holiday the yeah. was the, the the shitty crutch that, that was every, the easy way to do
1: whatever yeah, you want so, yeah. and it
2: was always like just put them in costume where are they gonna be you know they're fighting crime in 1962 l.a <laughs> makes sense totally in the holodeck
1: yeah. that is that is my they shitty just made a writer spin-off boss. called in the holodeck right just holodeck. some dude who just keeps sneaking in and yeah, yeah. holodeck time you know yeah. like it's holodeck Fantasy Island. <laughs> oh i wish they would mash up those two shows <laughs> but so going back so now you're in la right now you're writing on a tv show how yes. has it been um it's been phenomenal um
2: and the 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 thing that, I, that I've come to realize and that I understand that some writers don't like about TV is that it's very collaborative in nature.
1: Which like, is something I, I'm, I, I'm working on a thing with a buddy right now for the first time. And every time they, like, they're they like, eh, I'm like, all right, fuck you. You just want to take your ball and walk home kind of in a really yeah. egotistical five-year-old way. I mean, every get, now and again, you kind of want to shit. How do you someone. get
2: over that, man? Yeah. Uh, I mean, part of it, I think, comes from being a journalist for so long. And journalism was all about corralling a team of people towards a common goal it was always about a, here's our problem let me get a room of people smarter than i am and solve it and so that's a lot of what tv writing is it's like hey, we've got eight people who are all really good at their jobs sitting in a room figuring shit out and that's kind of awesome yeah right you know it's like and the, and the thing that i learned when i first got there was how to pay attention again i'd forgotten how to pay attention i would had clearly adult onset adhd because especially being a journalist it's all about balls in the air it's all about like hey i've got this story and this feature and this Jedi's writer and that and
1: you know what's going where you're mi- you're micromanaging right yeah, it's like yeah. you're just,
2: you're keeping everything going but on a tv show it's there we're having a conversation eight people are having one conversation you have to pay attention to that conversation and if you if you lose focus for just a second and think about lunch or where your car is parked or my foot hurts or Wow, General Hospital might be on about now. Five characters are dead and you Yeah, yeah. And you don't know why. Yeah and you're like, I'm sorry, I'm getting paid a lot of money to pay attention and I didn't.
1: Um So, so that was the quickest lesson learned Yeah, it was like it was like days. or was like, It was pay I'm
2: I always pay
1: attention. <laughs> And that seems like a really fun show to write on, dude. If anyone hasn't seen it, Alpha's is pretty. How would you describe it? It's. I mean, I'll, I'll describe it in the way that I'm sure my
2: bosses wouldn't like me to describe it. Where uh, David Thewlis plays a unpowered Professor X, who's gathered uh, a bunch of his patients. All of which have these alpha abilities that are a little bit above what average humans are capable of to deal with crimes that could only have been committed by other people with these abilities. So there's a a guy who can activate his fight or flight response at will. But there's a downside for all these. So he's grumpy and cranky and muscle tears and just like pissed off all the time. There's a girl who can push her will upon you, who can induce what's called a speed trance and hypnotize you essentially but because that's been her life, she's
1: never learned to form a relationship with anybody. So it's not just the glory. It's not. It's not the glory it's not of, fucking people in costumes fighting. It's it's the real downside of what you superpowers would be like.
2: Right. Of. It's like you know their their office is not the Gray Malkin Mansion in Salem, New York. <laughs> it's a strip mall in Queens. No. Yeah. You know, and they've got to worry about rent and parking. And my all other and
1: favorite. Action. My other favorite thing is, and and you find new powers in every progressive episode. Yeah. And my funniest. Th- and my favorite thing with that is, if you watch how the show is aired right now, here's the chain, and I grabbed mm. this off the wiki episode guide. Ooh. So we will got a. Uh, and these sound fancy listen to this cognitive cause and effect calculation rage inducing pheromone release omnilingualism electrical current generation and then we get to induced oxycontin addiction one of those powers is not like the fucking other (laughs) you know what I mean Whoa! Uh, that's a cool power. No, but but I dig it's, that. That's a cool power. Yeah, just make I'd like drunk- to meet this lady. Meet people junkies, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's trying our best to to stick with, but that keeps it interesting. Kind of neurochemistry and, and pseudo plausibility, and not I got lasers out of my eyes. Look up, sprouting wings.
1: I can alter the course of history. I'm super lucky. Uh, we'll probably are be. those characters not coming? Because I've just been like, come on, guy who can alter wing lasers. I bet you All know. in one. I wanted a mashup of everything you <laughs> just said. Seriously, who are you?
2: I am the octagon. I've got everything. <laughs> well, that is my default crazy voice. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that guy's, been, that guy's been on the show a
1: few times today. <laughs> 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 But so that, but it just me kind of, in like a sandbox, it just, you get to create superpowers. It's kind of awesome. Like one of
2: my last duties where we were breaking the finale and it was, do me a favor. I need 40 characters who may or may not show up in this giant fight. So give me like 40 powers. Okay. And then I spent the day just coming up with, what could this guy do?
1: What could that guy do? Now, did you, ever, did you ever think of any powers where a minute after you were like, nah, that might not be a power. Right. It's like, I can toast bread. 40's a lot, man. Yeah, after a <laughs> while, you'd be like, guy who can really pick out a good gas station for mileage prices. You know what I mean? Like, like impeccable taste, man. <laughs> yeah. Thrifty shopper boy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazon Super Saver Prime. Yes, there is. Like a there. guy who just gets his Amazon packages really quickly. Tell me, the like shoelacer. five minutes after he orders And I was coming up
2: with these names for them, and we never do the superhero names, but I was come up with, you know, the shoelacer. He can tie his shoelaces faster than anybody else. And they're like, yeah, we're not doing the shoelacer.
1: Really? But think of the possibilities for come the on. shoelacer, man. <laughs> just for the, the endorsements alone. Yeah. That's the only reason, for alone, for the endorsements. Pretty much. What, he the can't sneaker. really do <laughs> really, What
2: does he do? He's quiet
1: so the show so you came out here to write the first season of of the show yeah you guys are done writing now pretty much uh do we know yet if we're if the show's coming back uh we don't know
2: we're sort of pins and needling it for as long as it's
1: done really well though right it's done
2: i mean it, it was there as as they touted it their highest rated live action debut in the last two or three years which is a good thing yeah absolutely um the ratings are solid if not like Rizzoli and Isles more so than Mansquito Part 3
1: don't knock the Mansquito I'm sorry I like Mansquito seriously (laughs) this is back up off. I know I apologize no more sci-fi talk I (laughs) want Lance (laughs) Hendrickson on the show at some point so I'm sure he's gonna do Mansquito Part 4 oh he's got to Uh, yeah yeah Uh, but the show's been doing real critics are digging it critics are kind
2: of on board it's a great cast there's, there's already like fan fiction Which is bizarre. Is there slash fiction yet? Uh, well, we've already seen like the lesbian love story videos on YouTube of our female characters. That's got to be cool as a writer. Yeah. (laughs) We've had five episodes. Like,
1: how are you cutting together? Like these people were just waiting for shit. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Longing shots of these two people in a van.
1: That's great, man. At a coffee shop. So now you. So now it's just kind of a waiting game to see.
2: Now it's a waiting game. Like now I'm gonna go home and, and and figure out what one does with a hiatus. Now I've got my first actual hiatus. Um, I think you're supposed to like travel to Tibet or something. Yeah. Think of surfing. I know. Those, my f- single co writers are like, I'm going to Nantucket and then go.
1: Is that that guy the again? Voice,
2: yeah. <laughs> I'm you got going to <laughs> Go to and man, then like I'm I getting on you. a boat and I'm <laughs> going to London. and I'm gonna go to, gonna to Thailand. The fan fiction, no,
1: what? It's no. <laughs> just that one dude. Man. I'm gonna get me Let's a lady call him boy. Stevie, Stevie, yeah, yeah. Stevie
2: is <laughs> going like, for lady boys in Thailand. Wow, <laughs> yeah. I'm going back to New Jersey to play with my children before they go
1: to school. Yeah, you're like this podcast is making me want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> you're making me homesick. Uh, but that's great, man. So your first, your first season as a television writer. I mean, how is it hearing actors say your words? Because this was a first for that. It's it's kind of
2: surreal. Like, I was watching dailies for my episode, and like, I'm watching David Shafarin speak dialogue that I wrote, when then he will go off once he's done and shoot a movie for Spielberg. And I'm like, I don't get how that works, but
1: awesome. You're like, somehow that makes me the black Spielberg. It Someone call
2: Philly and get him to do another blurb. Yes, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna model myself after like Marvel heroes. Just, I'm black that guy. I'm black that guy, but not Black <laughs> Panther. Black!
1: This dude Stevie black. thought you were black too. Yeah. See? Stevie totally <laughs> oh, did. Oh man. So let's get into so that's awesome. So congratulations on the show, dude, and, all, and you. all your writing success. Honestly, from I mean, from an old poker buddy, to see, you like I remember Highwaymen was just coming out back in the day and it now was. since then. I mean, yeah, man. Sky Huzzah. Sky's the limit, as bop said. Let's get into some general geekery though. General you, Geekery, you are the man to talk to. Well, Today okay. it was announced. I don't know if you have any feel, uh feelings on this, or uh Axel Foley himself is returning to the big screen uh, in the role he was born to play. Eddie Murphy. Uh, Eddie Murphy. Today, it was announced that Eddie Murphy will be playing the voice of Hong Kong Fui in the in the live action CGI Listen, adaptation.
2: I love Eddie Murphy. Honestly, I do. He's no Scatman Crothers.
1: He have, just isn't. And he wasn't like you, lo- you like ice cream, coffee. Yeah. What? You like coffee, Jack? <laughs> Don't make me Hong Kong Fooi you. <laughs> well, the crazy thing about that I didn't know is uh um, Hong Kong Fooi only ran for 16 episodes. Really? Yeah, and it left such a kind of mark on pop Holy culture. I was reading the article today. It really it only ran for 16 episodes in its entirety. I it was like the Flintstones that it ran for like 87 no, years No, yeah. Or so so I mean it's not it, at least it's not a fan. It's I don't think there are going to be Hong Kong fooey activists out there fucking protesting this. No, I mean, definitely. it's the internet though, so you never know, but Still, it's just sad. I mean,
2: I get it. He'll get paid a, a shit ton of money to do it and it's easy work and he doesn't have to, you know, wash his face in the morning or nothing. Just roll into a the audio booth and record. But
1: come on, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy hates washing his face for those who don't know. Yeah, he just dislikes He loves it. to get a stank on. Yeah. Scare sweet. people away. That way when you come to an ask for an autograph, you're like, Oh shit. Ashy Eddie is Ashy Eddie, Ashy, right. Ashy Eddie, that's what they used to call him, man. <laughs> Back in the day. You know, but it's like you you watch
2: you watch like old Saturday Night Live, you watch like Forty Eight Hours and Beverly Hills Cop and You just see, like, how much talent that dude had that faded just... And it faded in a weird way, because it kind of just slowly teetered out over the last decade. It did, until you're like, wow,
1: okay, uh, ghosts and vampires in Brooklyn, and... Oh, are we talking about Vampire in Brooklyn? Because that's one of the good ones, if we're talking with Eddie's over here, if you you will. I mean, we have have Pluto Nash to compete with. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like... I mean, it's just crazy. You're right. That dude was... On Saturday Night Live, he was 18 years old. He was the biggest comedy star in the world. And now he's, he's doing... He was as smart and as
2: talented as anybody else. Absolutely. He was, you know... And then he was doing, like, Dr. Doolittle. And that just it saddens one, really, at the end of the day.
1: Now, do you think this is a trend that's going to continue in Hollywood, these CG... I mean, as long as we can rip every old cartoon in... as, as long as there's a Smurfs, there's going to be... like or Smurfs, some... too, apparently. Yeah. Th- there will be yeah. something
2: that some people have, like, the barest whiff of nostalgia for that will get turned into something
1: horrible and big and money-making. I can't wait for the Herculoids movie starring the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, dude. Apple D. App's going to be the best, like, little squiggly ghost. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. That would be maybe the greatest thing See, ever. I would actually watch that. So but so so we're not excited for Eddie Murphy as three. I, I can't say that I'm All excited right. for it. Now, there's movie. another big announcement today. Um, Were you a fan of the G.I. Joe film? The Stephen Summers movie? No. Okay, I'll go on the other page. I'll be Stevie for a second. I kind of like it. You kind of dug it. It was kind of fun, in my opinion. I, I dug the cast. I just thought it was a stupid, fun popcorn movie. It is all of those things. Okay. Not good. But stupid and fun and
2: stupid, popcorn. Stupid, fun, yeah, there and you there go. may or may not have been
1: popcorn involved. <laughs> when they announced the second film, they basically said, like, remember that movie some of you may or may not have liked? We're really only talking to Matt, apparently. <laughs> remember how it had, like, 20 cast members? Say goodbye to all of them, but two. Yeah. Like, they're only bringing back uh, Channing Tatum Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, Ray Park, and and the Korean dude from ba- I Saw the Devil. <laughs>
2: Basically, it's you know the the white kid and two people in masks. Exactly, and and two like people don't speak. Exactly,
1: going. and they na- and the Rock is in it and some other people. And they announced today that it looks like uh, everybody's favorite Bruce Willis <laughs> uh, is going to be playing the original GI Joe. Okay. Do we have do we get, do we do we have thoughts on that? I mean, it just seems like all of if we go back to 1980 and you were like, "See that dude who's the biggest movie star in the world right now? He's As gonna G.I. he's Joe. gonna replace Dennis Quaid in the GI Joe sequel directed by the guy who directed Step Up to the Streets Part 3D." And he did the Miley Cyrus dance battles on YouTube, so we'll <sighs> give him some credit, John Cho. But it just it, it yeah. just seems all of our childhood heroes
2: Girl are doing like fabulous. wacky
1: cartoon stuff now. Yeah,
2: I mean. I just can't get excited about J.I. Joe 2. I just can't.
1: I'd like to be able Even to Even if you throw John McClane in the mix.
2: I mean, I like The Rock. I mean The Rock was in Fast Five, which was maybe like my second favorite movie of the summer. Was it really?
1: It really was. I didn't I didn't I didn't see I w I, I didn't see it because I saw the other four. Fast five
2: <laughs> is this marvelous piece of just confectionary cinema.
1: Is it just insane?
2: It's insanely like it gives you cavities. It's just so full of nothing that's good for you. But you love it so much, and they brought back characters from every other film. It was the Avengers of the The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drifts, dude. Yeah, like literally, you didn't know this. But they've been building for five movies a mythology a, a mythology
1: with characters who showed up. And, hey, it's that
2: dude. It's Han and the black dude. It's if Tyrese, they built it as like... the
1: Avengers of the Fast and the Furious universe, I would have went. It absolutely was. Or if, or if Samuel Jackson popped up in every film at the end and was like, nice driving. You know, there's other people like you who can drive cars. <laughs> we have need for fast drivers. <laughs> That kind of would have been awesome that would' have been great, so it really that really was a-
2: it was really because fa- it was I didn't expect very much
1: from it, and it totally surpassed what was I your thought. number one flick of the summer if that was your number one your number two attack the block attack the block yeah. was so damn great, wasn't it man attack the block man it, it like
2: I remember seeing Terminator in the theater when I was a kid, I shouldn't have because I was like thirteen years old, but that kind of just really smart low budget like they spent so much time on the script and the characters and they honed it. And they delivered what they could on the effects, like, and it was smart. We can't really render these things, so they're just black blobs. And they're, the
1: monster was probably my one of my favorite parts of the movie was the, was the the effects, and the, and the guy Joe Cornish who wrote it. I've been a fan of for years. I mean, he's the first podcast I ever heard was that dude's podcast. He did one yeah. called Adam and Joe's show over in England. I mean,
2: it was just so smart, and and like they they spent the time on the thing they could spend the time on, which was the script. And it was confined, and it, it it told you the geography of the place. It told you, I mean, the characters, like Moses' character arc is just wonderful, awesome.
1: And like the fact that it ends, yeah. I mean, we don't want to spoil anything, but but yeah. it's not a, it's more about Moses. Thing. I mean, it's a character-driven movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he starts off as this incredibly unsympathetic, unlikable. Character. Which I was shocked they did too yeah. when I saw the movie. I was like, oh fuck, we're supposed to like these kids now? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. But it it it. The arc of those characters—it evolves so seamlessly into him being a hero—and you get every reason why he's the way he like, is.
1: Like, and I'll catch from fla- some flack for what I'm about to say, but it reminds me of what Monster Squad sounds like. Everyone describes it as—I didn't see Monster Squad till a few <laughs> years ago—and I was like, that was kind of cute. I'm Stevie saw it with me. Uh. I like Tom Noonan sometimes, but it just—it didn't really do anything for me. How could you not?
2: a movie that's
1: got all those gods in it it was just it was very little it was stuck between little kids you know what i mean it wasn't as edgy or or as goonies in my mind The kick the wolfman and the nards big deal if i had seen attack the block when i was like 11 years old it would have been a wrap that would have been my favorite movie you know what i mean
2: i mean attack the block was everything that super Eight should have been and wasn't really like in a movie should have
1: been set in a housing project but it should have been like like, like, you
2: know, if you've got an alien invasion that kids are going to to defend against then you do it the way they did in Attack the Block. You make it about the kids. You make them active in the story as opposed to
1: passive, just, oh, aliens are here. There's Fat Kid and Kid with Braces and Girl Kid. Yeah. Like Those were their names in Super 8, I feel like. I think they were. Like yeah. it said in the credits, Girl Kid. Girl Kid.
2: kid. Fat Kid. <laughs> handsome Kid. Yeah, yeah. So like J.J. J. Abrams Kid, basically. So, I'm casting no, myself. Totally.
1: <laughs> No, but all the characters were I mean, and they did stuff. They took liberties with, I mean, it's, yeah. for anyone who hasn't seen Attack the Block, it's coming out hopefully near you, and I think it's going to do a, right, on demand release thing. And not to spoil much, but people die in Attack the Block. Yes, Black. which, which I was surprised about. I kept surprised, the movie kept surprising me over and over, which right. I, d- I thought I knew everything about it, which I really, really dug. Yeah.
2: Attack the Block was hands down the best movie ever. It was really
1: time. fun, man. Um, there's another big, uh, announcement lately, and I saw you, you mentioned it on Twitter when we were talking about the show, <laughs> so I thought we would get into it. Uh, now, for those of you who don't know, if you don't read the ultimate line of Marvel Comics, Spider-Man, Ultimate Peter Parker recently died. Very sad. Boo. Boo. Everyone's really upset. I've never read an ultimate fucking book in my life, so I don't care, but Spider-Man's dead. They've decided to relaunch the series with what we can only call Platino Spider-Man? Platino Spider-Man. It's a, it's a, um, African American slash Latin American Spider-Man. Yes. Now as a black guy, as we've already established. Right. Uh they're gonna spider man's in the store right now. Do you how much of this do you think has to do with the Donald Glover thing? Um all of it. For those of you who don't know, about a year ago on Twitter there was a campaign to get Donald Glover cast as Spider Man and everyone was like, That could never happen. He's a black guy. Right. Well
2: and and, and for even further back, I actually wrote the item for IO nine. The why can't there be, or why there shouldn't be a white Spider-Man? Why there shouldn't be a a white Spider-Man? A white why Spider- there doesn't have to be a white Spider-Man? Okay, and in which the I comments, yeah, in yeah. the comments for that article was the Donald him for Spider-Man, and then that's where that's the whole how that Twitter started. And then up. Ben
1: just picked up the steam, I think. And yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
2: But it was given that this kid is from Queens, Queens which th- a family where his parents are dead. He's kind of smart, but not popular in school. I'm like, in every way, that sounds like a black kid. Like, what about that has to be, you know, like it doesn't have to be. Like, if you can find at the time it was, they were casting for Spider Man and they had, oh, it's, it's the kid from, from, uh, what's Jamie, whatever the hell his name is. It was, it was like the kid from Zathura and the kid from, the, yeah, the, like Andrew Garfield was one of them. And but then there it was a kid from
1: Sky High, uh, Michael Aragano was yeah, up for it, I think. There was, was, a like bunch of, like, a bunch of kind of like, Jamie
2: Bell. Jamie Bell. <laughs> a bunch of, like, pasty dudes who were not getting you anything. And it was like, well, if you're going to do this, then be interesting about it. Like, why not cast a Hispanic Spider Man or a, a Latino Spider Man? And this wouldn't be a precedent or, because. Which is the same thing. Or an Asian Spider Man.
1: And it wouldn't be a precedent because, like, Michael Clark Duncan played Kingpin and Daredevil, and I had no problem. At, at yeah, not it's fine. One point, it was fine.
2: It's totally cool. Like, you know, race blind casting is not the worst thing in the world to do. And, you know, the internet was either, that's a pretty good idea, or God, how can you take Peter Parker from me? He's gotta be a white dude because he's always been a white dude. I'm like, wow, that is the least good argument for anything <laughs> ever.
1: <laughs> because it I'm always- I'm not watching has a color been... television? Yeah. Yeah, that would be an ar- a strange <laughs> argument. Yeah. Seriously. Like, Just I because always something's always been that way. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, but then it kind of
2: blew up into its own crazy thing, and I'm glad for Spider-Man, which never happened. And, and he,
1: but he rapped about like Donnie. He, he was smart, it, yeah. yeah.
2: Like he kind of encouraged it while not supporting it in a weird Absolutely. way. Absolutely. Um. And then apparently Bendis saw some interview with him talking about it. it's like, well, why couldn't that like it'd be cool to see. It was actually apparently the beginning of Community one season, like the season premiere this last year, where Donald Glover wakes up from bed and he's wearing Spider-Man pajamas. Was where
1: ben, was. Was, was where, where Bendis is.
2: was like, "Oh, hey, maybe we can do this." And you know, I am kind of on board with it, provided it's good. Like the last thing that this can be is shitty.
1: Cause that, I mean, that, that takes it away forever. Right? Yeah. Like, That's it's the last it's, time it'll ever happen. It
2: reminds me of this Chris Rock joke where he talks about the neighborhood he lives in New Jersey, where he's like, yeah, you know, I live there and Alonzo Morning, ex basketball player lives there and Jay-Z's got a house there. And like, yeah, I'm surrounded by like these really like prominent black guys and I feel good about that. We all kind of made it. He's like, you know who my neighbor is? A dentist. Yeah. He's like (laughs) and he's not the best dentist in the world. He didn't like invent braces or something. Like he's just a a dentist. dentist. Yeah, yeah. He's like, so we've got to be at the pinnacle of our careers to live here while that guy can just be a dentist. This has to be the best black Spider Man. Spider Man has to be the best Spider Man you've ever seen, otherwise nobody will ever do anything like this again. So
1: no pressure. Marvel? yeah right <laughs> <laughs> I mean controversy alone I think it'll sell issues The first I mean people will check it out at first just to see and now did you hear the news spin on it, is that he might be gay also is what the headlines are saying they're saying why not make him blacker I forget I, I forget who it was at Marvel but <laughs> no, it's like he's, he's gay and he's a communist yeah just keep adding shit just, on just pile he's on. 12 feet tall he's not even Spider-Man anymore yeah <laughs> Spider-Man is now Superman and he's blind No, yeah <laughs> And he's Stevie. That's his secret identity.
2: Oh, look at me! I'm Spider
1: Man. Uh, <laughs> speaking of some more uh, ra- racial entertainment news that happened, um, that should be a show. That should, racial, that, entertainment racial entertainment news, news with, with me and you, sir.
2: Uh, Starring Nat X.
1: Yeah, uh, Lopez tonight was sadly canceled. Well, right? Have
2: you seen Lopez tonight? No. no See, I mean, that's, I, that's why that's... it was canceled. Nobody's seen Lopez tonight. But
1: is is that in a way that TV shows are hiring? I uh, try to do racial equality. Does it stink that kind of the one person of color on the late night TV spectrum sucked and is gone? Because he did suck. He I mean, did suck, and
2: I think that's the end. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's was it a good show? No. Then should we kept it on just because he was a Hispanic guy? We kept I'm it. Sure on Sure, they did that long, for a while. Yeah, like, i mean I'm I'm that's sure the the it was. Two we years got of one that show, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was just not good. And once you get Conan to fill your late night slot, I mean, sorry, but you know, Lopez got
1: Leno. Yeah, he did, right? I he mean, totally so. Got so, I mean, now that fan needs a show or something. Like, they're going to go with another <laughs> ethnic hire. You know that. No, but I just. That was always to me. It just seems like. Uh, the, no one knows what the fuck they're doing anymore. All the networks run shows for six episodes and take them off and try this. And you know what? I, Nobody ever knows. As someone who's that. worked, has followed the scene for a while, do you think it's a, a new thing or is it always. Is it with I, is the internet screwing things up? The different I, forms of delivery. I think it's just that there
2: there are so many options that the audience is so fragmented that if you don't get at least a fraction of it immediately, it becomes too risky for some people to stick it out. You know, like I remember being upset like they a Firefly after thirteen episodes. Like we got thirteen episodes of Firefly. Yeah. Like Lone Star apparently was awesome and got two. You know, like, Drive was pretty decent and got eight.
1: Clerks animated series got, I mean, two, I think. Uh, a lot of, yeah, I, like, going some of my favorite. Uh, like, it's always Millennium been. never got to the Millennium. <laughs> think about that, folks. Frank Black never saved, like, or, you
2: know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's it's always been a little precarious, but, you know, I don't think, like, overwhelmingly more so than it had been. But it's noticeable because it's almost always stuff that
1: we like. So people kind of, kind of watch through, kind of have to watch their back. And then it, at least in the, the current climate where people, yeah. there's so much options and so much choice of TV to watch, it's no longer like five networks and one show on a day to yeah, talk. yeah. Seriously.
2: I mean, that's, that seems to be at least one of our saving graces of being on sci-fi is that they seem to commit to at the very least, we're doing a season. You're going to get your season. We're not going to cut your order. We're not going to cancel you in the middle like we'll.
1: They're not going to drop the rest of your episodes online. Yeah, they're like not going to. Pirate Master, which was an awesome reality show, and <laughs> apparently I was the only person in America to watch it. Uh, well,
2: because it's an applicable
1: skill, clearly, learning Being to a be pirate, a pirate master. Yeah. But they could mutiny, dude. Oh, that's not going to yeah. tell you. It was an awesome <laughs> element of the reality show. But I mean, but speaking of TV and just, and things that don't, some things seem to make sense, like Best and I getting fired. You'd be like, all right, that, the world, well, there's some justice to the universe. Frank that. Darabont getting fired off The Walking Dead? That's a little more. Yeah. Three days after he did a panel, the for the con too.
2: I mean, he he'd been very vocal and on the record about how AMC was kind of cutting well, the his budget budgets. cut. Yeah. And uh, the the idea that you could have a hit show that delivered far and away the best ratings of a network, and what's more, far and away the highest avenue uh, advertising revenue of the network that you then start scaling back your best show. For
1: arbitrary, almost arbitrarily, like a one awards, best selling DVD. Yeah, like it'll it'll be nominated for
2: Emmys, like all of that stuff. To then start scaling back that one, and at the same time, them just dumping a a, a dump truck full of cash on, to on Mad Men, more money on to Mad Men. Yes, Man. which would never make the ratings, which never like it's their. their I don't watch Mad Men. It's I like, watch Walking Dead. Yeah, it's the yeah. Tiffany star of the network that doesn't make them any money, but they have to keep happy because it's their identity. So I can understand Frank Darabont being pissed at that, and I can understand him being vocal about it. Maybe it was his vocal pissedness that got him fired. I don't know. Um, Do you think it will
1: affect the show?
2: You know, I think it'll... Are you a fan of the show, first I'm off. a huge fan yeah, of the show. Yeah,
1: I, I dig it, too. I mean, I'm a massive
2: fan of the show. I don't know if it'll affect it like in a real material way, other than he was such a staunch defender of the show and fought as hard as he could to keep it the way it is, that... You know, I don't. I don't know the guy who took over. This Glenn Mazzara, who apparently was awesome on the Shield and all of that stuff. I just hope he fights as hard to keep.
1: Totally, because you read like they wanted to save money. They were. They were like, "Can we just hear the zombies and not show them sometimes?" Yeah. And He was like, "No, man. You, yeah, yeah. So can we just shoot some episodes? half the uh,
2: each episode should be indoors, like, but we're an outdoor show. Like they're not moving. Can in. we
1: turn this into dinner with five yeah. with zombies? Just like four celebrities and one zombie." Wouldn't that be great? That actually would be fun. I'm thinking of so many show ideas tonight, man. John Favreau, three slibs, and a, it's like John Favreau, Vin Vaughn, and a zombie fighting about, like... That would be awesome. Yeah, their favorite baseball teams and shit. I don't know what they talked about <laughs> on that show. Uh, but it just it just seems like... Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm excited
2: for the next season. I am, too. I mean, I, I hope it stays as good as it was. And I hope, in, in some ways, it gets better than it was. I mean, I, I liked it a lot. But there were some occasional weak points...
1: Do you think the budget cut could possibly help them in the in that kind of creative way of like less money think of cool shit to do? I mean it could it's not, a big genre sh- it's, a, it's big a big like genre you, you show need though. to yeah. see like
2: fields of zombies like uh, you know
1: that was what was so great about Walking Dead when he gets on top of that tank, there's fucking hundreds of zombies yeah. Yeah. like
2: you need to be able to, to convey the scale and scale is what money gets you, you know innovation and and smart writing and all of that stuff you can do on on a
1: on a restricted budget, but you can't
2: sell me. A zombie apocalypse really without selling me a zombie yeah, apocalypse. Without
1: giant scale, yeah, yeah. And speaking of giant scale, there's another geek happenings this week. So there were a lot of leaks from the Dark Knight. Did you see those? I didn't. I've been very consciously
2: avoiding. You have, really? Because, you know, now that I don't have to be in it, <laughs> now that I'm not getting paid to be a journalist, like fuck that. I want to preserve a little bit of my own like entertainment virginity. Right on. Like, screw it. I'm not looking. I'm not watching. I don't want to see. So you Um, haven't
1: heard Bane's voice yet? No. Oh.
2: Does it sound a little bit like this? (laughs) Uh, It does.
1: You have no fucking idea how close it sounds to that.
2: I'm going to kick your ass, Dark Mate.
1: Age him about 70 years and you got Bane. It's just a a strange choice. I'm going to kick your ass. Really? Welcome to Gotham City. Like... Yeah, wow. that's maybe people Mr. are kinda, burns basically people are kind of freaking out a little bit Yeah, he talks like an old senile man Smithers A little bit. Yeah, a little bit of awesome. Burns action going but, but so they did that they did the Catwoman costume Which we found out the second one was a fake. Yes. Did you hear that? I, I did see that because I knew it was a fake It was, it was photoshopped anyway, because yeah. I'm really good at that because that's that's what you did for thir- years.: I can spot <laughs> fake costume stills,
2: uh, uh, you know hundred yards off
1: that's what you used to do for a living. People yeah, just exactly. set them up like target practice and yeah. you'd be like boom boom not ba-ding, real. Ba-ding. Pew pew. Is there anything you're excited for coming up, sir? Like while well, on your hiatus, any movies coming out you're excited to watch? Any I'm 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 hell bent for Conan, man. I'm Are you really? I'm almost positive that it will suck. The Jason Momoa Conan. The Jason
2: Momoa, but I don't care.
1: Of which he just announced he wrote the sequel, uh, you, he, apparently
2: he did, because he's he way so smarter much, than I ever yeah. thought he was. <laughs> which which is true yeah. Yeah, you know and what back? I did and I've... Game of Thrones too I actually know who James that's, Momoa is now. that's why I'm excited for it because of Khal
1: Drogo Khal Drogo I was like that
2: dude is Conan alright I will give you my $10 and I'll see what you have to deliver for me Mr. Momoa so
1: wow you're going with the Baywatch dude as your must see movie of the year uh, well therefore I'm excited <laughs> to see <laughs> oh ok ok uh, I like I putting w- words in that I know <laughs> I want to see Columbiana that looks really, really cool. I just Only saw the trailer for yeah, that.
2: Yeah, because I really wanted a sequel to The Professional that we're never going to get, but apparently it's Columbiana with <laughs> Natalie Borman. So, okay, whatever. Um, I'm curious about Contagion.
1: I think that and the other Soderbergh one looks cool. Oh, yeah. the the, well, the MMA fighter. Right. Whatever uh, the hell. I can't is. think of the name right now, but that girl, I'm gonna Gia. Say, I'm going to say Shot. Sure. That totally not it's not, not that. It's like Hazel or something. It's, yeah, 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 it's not that at all. It's with an H. <laughs> So those, so that's movie wise. Any comic books? Have you been reading comics lately? Uh,
2: I kind of fell out of the habit a bit, but I'm real. I really want to read the the Mark Wade Daredevil, because um, I've heard they're just the number one. That just yeah, yeah, I've yeah. heard was really cool. things about it. I've uh, I haven't read Red Wing yet, or um, I'm also like woefully behind on my Fantastic Four, and I heard Hickman's run has been pretty fantastic. Future
1: the, the new team, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you a DC guy? I am. I am mostly a DC guy. You've got like two weeks, sir. Yeah, I so know. So the whole world changes. What do you have any thoughts on that? On the whole DC reboot issue? I uh, I the... really hope it works.
2: Because if it doesn't work, then it's a it's giant just, kick to the nads. It's kind of, of the comics. end
1: of that. It's kind of the end of DC if it doesn't work, right? You yeah. know, I don't know
2: if it's. In, I mean, those characters will always exist in some fashion or another. But you know, the 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 most perilous thing about fifty two number ones is fifty two number twos. And are those 52 number twos any good? Do those stores order the same number of number ones as they order of number twos? Like, does is there enough rack space to get people to buy 52 number twos? Or will they buy the four or five they would have always bought and still not buy the other 48 number twos? Like, it just, I don't know. It's a huge honking gamble. And I hope it pays off only because I would like to see DC exist as a company.
1: Fine, business-wise, it seems like there could be some really, really positive gains from it. But just mm. creatively... It, from the fans' perspective, I haven't really spoken to anyone who's super excited about every single character being relaunched.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's there's <laughs> just too much. It's too much at once. I mean, to me, like,
1: let's pretend I had –
2: me and Stevie are right in a comic yeah. company. You know, What's Stevie into I think, what Stevie is doing? I like? think Stevie does, like, we're going to do four number ones this month, four number ones next month, four number ones a month after that. Like, let's see the ground and slowly – Get people on board we with this. We need less
1: popular books out. Instead of just going, okay, none of these exist anymore. Here's all your new ones. Yeah. Have a nice day. Like, we're a new company overnight. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, but, you know, Stevie's a bit of an asshole. Yeah, so. fuck Stevie. We don't even know him. He's supposed to show up tonight. Stevie's not even here, so yeah. fuck him. Uh, anything else? Anywhere we can find you online, sir, during the hiatus? Like, you're going to be writing? You're um, going to be blogging? You know, I'm probably going to be blogging for Blaster
2: again. Um... Keeping the sci fi family. And, you know, the, the Twitters.
1: I'm all about the Twitters. We can always Fabbos. find you up on Twitter. You're at, at Mark Bernardin. Yes, M A R C B E R. Facebook. And also, am sorry. And also the Turntable you've been up on recently.
2: I've been kind of loving Turntable, man. Like, it's a really great, like, background noise, like, work soundtrack. Especially from people who are, like, way younger and hipper than
1: I am. Like, what are the. You make fun of all my songs for I kind of do. Like, what are the kids listening to these days? Get off of my lawn! Literally, bat, bat Dance got a yeesh in a room, and I was like, I want to throw my computer out a fucking window. Yeah. If Prince doing a Batman song isn't the pinnacle of all music...
2: It's funny. I was in a room today, and we, we, we concocted a theme of, we'll do songs only released in your birth year. Which made me feel insanely old <laughs> until I realized that my birthday was like Isaac Hayes theme of Shaft, Black Dog by Led Zeppelin. It's so like cool song, awesome yeah, yeah. shit
1: from 1971. Because I'm an old man. All the young kids have like Blink 182, and you're like, I'd yeah. rather be old right now. Like 1990, love song. balloons. Like I'm sorry, kid. Like, 1982 <laughs> for
2: music, really? Ew. That's awesome, man. Oops.
1: <laughs> so we check you out on Facebook, check you out on Twitter. We can catch you possibly in the turntable room if, yes. if we can spot you in there. And my episode of
2: Alphas airs September 19th.
1: Great. So and your episode I and mean, this will air before that, and then hopefully Alpha season two. Hopefully, we'll Knock have you back wood. out on the West Coast and possibly have you back on the show to so chat and some done. more. Me, you, and Stevie. We'll kick it. Absolutely. In. Oh, we got to get a real Stevie. We'll, we'll yeah, start. We'll Stevie. start casting immediately. Yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Bernard and everybody, give it up. Oh, thank you, folks. I am Matt Cohen. Uh, that I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go find my own Stevie right now. That's honestly what my plan for the week is. But we got a lot of fun stuff coming up at Golden Apple Comics. Be sure to check out, uh, all the other fine Smodcast Network shows. And that is where technology failed me, folks. Uh, we lost me literally saying the outro of this show. So I will gladly put that on for you right now. But first, I want to thank, uh, my, my guest tonight, Mark Bernardin. Uh, as always, check him out. As always, like, you've always been doing it, like, from time immemorial, check him out on Twitter at, at Mark Bernardin, M-A-R-C-B-E-R-N-A-R-D-I-N, that's a tough one, and, uh, check out all his blogs, and, uh, he'll be blogging again for Blaster, like he said, and definitely check out the show Alphas. To find me on the internet, you can follow me on Twitter at CamelToad, C-A-M-E-L-T-O-A-D, check out my site, CamelToadProductions.com, as always, proud members of the Smodcast Network and uh, sponsored by the fine folks at Golden Apple Comics. Golden Apple Comics check them the fuck out. And ladies and gentlemen, until next time I'm Matt Cohen. It's been Bagged and Boarded. It's been real. What? Bagged
2: and Boarded. Live. <laughs>
0: Find more funny shit like this at smodcast.com.